Welcome to another episode of A Little Ray of Sunshine, inspirational stories from everyday people. Today, I have a guest by the name of Armando Gonzalez, and you said I could call you Mondo, That's so I right. appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. And I'm actually sitting here in his classroom, teaches at Rigby High School, and he's also the head boys varsity football coach. So I'm going to admit, I'm a little intimidated sitting across from you right here. I mean, I've heard so many good things about you. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, you don't need to be intimidated, trust me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll try I not got to. a lot to learn from you, which would be always a good, good thing. Well, what I've learned about you, and so Rigby's a small town, mm-hmm. right? I've learned that you came in here and put together a program that isn't just about winning football but it's about shaping young men. Would you say that that's a pretty fair estimate of what I've been hearing? Uh, hopefully. You know, that's, I couldn't probably say that my entire career, but as you know, as you age and hopefully gain some wisdom, mm-hmm. you start to reorient yourself and your, kind of your, um, your lifestyle to match what you believe. That, always, yeah. that doesn't always happen when you're younger. You no. might believe something, right, and your actions may not match up with it. And so I, I think that one of the things I learned, I'm, you know, my dad was a head football coach, so growing up, I've been around the game and sports all my life. He was a te- health teacher, PE teacher at Franklin High School in um, Northeast Los Angeles Okay. Uh, in the LA Unified School District. He was there for 20-plus years, won um, a lot of games, I think three or four city titles. And so the influence I saw from him as I was younger kind of made an impact on me in going into the profession, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. It's hard to run away from it when you really think about it. But, you know, what? You, you learn things from the game. Um, and you learn things from coaches, and my dad who was a coach. And then when you start coaching, you know, you think that those are things that you think are important, but then you just start coaching the game, and it's like, how do you, how do you implement those in your own program? And that's what I struggled with as a younger coach. Okay. Because it just became about the game, mm-hmm. and which is fine. I mean, a lot of people, this, that's why yeah. they do it. Oh, well, yeah. But how did you make that shift now to where I, you're I, at? I think with a lot of failure, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. I think when you, when you fail, it causes you to kind of revisit, well, what, why am I really doing this? Yeah. So I think through failure, I, I took my first head coaching job when I was about 27 after coaching at Cal State Northridge and was asked to resign there. Because? Just because I came from the college setting, mm-hmm. and I had a certain view of knowing the game of football and how I want to run a program. And it was at my actually old high school where I went to school. And I don't think they were ready for that shift yet. It was more of the status quo, you know, your average high school football program. And uh, so we didn't, we didn't meet up in terms of where I saw the program needed to grow and go at that time for me and where the school wanted it. And so they just said, it's not a good fit. And I, I agreed and stepped down. But that was a shock to me. That was a blow for my ego. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. going into and talk to an AD and, and them saying, you know, we're not going to ask you to come back next year. And I was like, whoa. So I think that was one early failure for me that I think that I learned from and, mm-hmm. and I've had many others. But I think when you, when you have those in your life, it really causes you to kind yeah. of think, well, what's really important about why we do this? Yeah. An interesting thing, too, is because we're human, we, we do fail. Like you said, we have that little ego that you know kind of gets in the way. But you took failure and said, no, it's not going to keep me down. I'm going to learn from my mistakes. I'm going to build a better program. And now all of a sudden, we have you here at Rigby. We've had you for five years. And in that five years, gosh, uh, you don't toot your own horn, but I'll toot your horn. You've created a program here that's excited this whole community. And you've brought people together that normally wouldn't even come to a football game, but because the excitement is so great, they want to know what's going on. And I think you're a big part of that. And I know you won't take all that credit because you got great coaching staff with you and wonderful young men. But what's your philosophy in coaching? 
if I had to boil it down to one word, it's about relationships. Relationships with everybody. Yeah. I think it's about the relationships you build. And uh, I went through a master's program when I was just becoming an AD in uh, Southern California, Vanguard University of Southern California. And then I was the AD at the time at San Juan Hills High School in South Orange County. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking to finish, you know, some units to get some more, you know, go higher on the pay scale. And I got involved in this master's program at Vanguard University. And I'll tell you what, that really expanded my mindset on leadership. It was a master's in leadership and kind of like organizational development. Originally, it was for pastors because mm-hmm. it's a Christian university. Yeah. And then they kind of transitioned it to leadership, more leadership to attract more, you know, secular students, not necessarily from the Christian background. But going through that program, I had some amazing professors that I could really, I would say, classify as kind of like mentors in those two, three years that I was going through it. And that really helped me grow in terms of when you're building an organization, it's about people, not products. And, you know, the product we put out in the field, which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy that people enjoy watching it. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's exciting. And I think our style and our strategies are important, but that's not why we do this. Right. They're a byproduct of everything else that we do that are at the core values of our program. So I would say it's ultimately about relationships and building relationships and building these young men because they're going to be fathers, husbands, you know, most of them someday. And as we all know, you know, marriage is not easy. There's a lot of compromise and building and growing and learning and failing as well. And so if they can learn how to do that now a little bit with what they go through in our program, and and then they're going to be dads someday, then I think that's really what we're here for. So I think building relationships, um, we we have some core values in this program that Mm -hmm. the number one, probably one that we've really built this program is sharpen the axe, which is just about the process. You know, that's a big Nick Saban thing. You know, he's, he's had a lot of, you know, talking and, you know, news conferences and writing and books and stuff that I've read and, and watched him and followed him over the years. Um, and in their facility at University of Alabama where it says the process, right? And what does that mean for kids? Well, I tried to, I tried to make it more tangible for them, you know? And so that's when I got here. Because when I was uh, at um, San Juan Hills High School as the AD, I was also the defensive coordinator. And Aaron Flowers, who's my offensive coordinator now, was the head coach. It's ironic that we ended up together again. Isn't it? When you th- when you and think you didn't recruit it. him here? I, well, not really. I, I kind of actually told him, <laughs> don't come at some point because this is a big you know, move, and I don't want you to blame me if you don't like it here. <laughs> um, but no, he, he ended that's another story which we can get into, but because it, it is kind of unique to f- have that happen. But when we were together there, we were, all, we were still younger and building you know, an organization there as an athletic department and as a football program. And so we did establish some core values that we knew – no matter where you go, no matter what time period in, the core values should be sustainable for, I mean, you should be able to look, Jim Collins, who wrote Good to Great, which you probably have heard of, wrote, you should be able to take your core values and look 100 years from now, and they should still apply. And so when we thought about, you know, building a, an athletic program, the process, you know, is, is really important. It's to get the kids to focus on not the result and the scoreboard. Which is hard to do with kids oh this age. God. It's hard to do with us. <laughs> yeah, true, <adults>. true. Because <laughs> I still look at the scores and look yeah. at how we're doing and compare ourselves. Right. It's, it's not easy. So that, that's why that's important. And so I, when I got here, it, was, it became sharp in the axe. Because my uh, stepdad, he was a pastor. And growing up, I remember, I think I, when I read it later, I think he got it from Stephen Covey. It was something about sharpening your sword or axe or something. And I just, I kind of adopted it and said, that's a good way to tell him, you know, I'm a history teacher. So, you know, the story about Abraham Lincoln, it's like, I'd rather spend a certain amount of time sharpening your axe, right? Otherwise, you're never going to chop down that tree, True. right? With a dull axe. Right. So, so when you uh, tell your boys, sharpen the axe, what does that entail? They should know. And I, I, I know the older guy, the older kids know, the younger kids are still trying to figure things out. But the older kids should know, our seniors and our juniors should know that that means that we, we're engaged every day. That you're not going to have the result you want on Friday night or in life 
if you're not engaged right now in the moment, and that's really hard to do these days with the distractions they have. I mean, just look at the media oh, yeah. technology that they have. I mean, in classroom, you know, you're looking at these kids with their phones. It's like it's constant battle. It's a struggle. And there's so many distractions. It's all about quick fix mentality right now in the moment, right? What have you done for me lately? I mean, that's how our society operates now. And it's, it's a challenge. So I think going back to, you could say, an old school, you know, value of, mm-hmm. of well, we want to be present right now. What are we doing right now in the moment? And, you know, you think about when we were growing up, it's like we didn't have cell phones and no. all this stuff. And so no. it was easier to be in the moment. It's, it's more difficult for these mm-hmm. kids. So I think that's really what it comes down to is be present in the moment and what we're doing and have to accomplish on Saturday when I'm watching film, when I've got to do my homework so that I don't get on the academic probation list during the week and then cause another distraction for coach because i got enough stuff to deal with, and they know that. And then it's Monday, practice. It's, you know, Tuesday, how do we do? It's like so they know we're, we're basically stacking up these days to lead to Friday night. And, and if you miss, there's no do-overs, right? No, no. So you got to perform. When you don't perform, it's, you lost. Yeah. And sometimes losing doesn't mean you lose on the scoreboard. They know sometimes we lost because we did not perform to our potential. That's a big challenge for us. So what happens then? What do you say to these young boys when they don't perform up to their potential? How do you motivate them to go out and do better next time? You know, a couple times last year especially. I, last year's team was interesting. You know, we won a state championship, and we were really good. Mm-hmm. We had, what, four or five Division One football players. But I struggled last year with getting that team to really focus on what we needed to do each week because they were so talented that they sometimes tended to overlook an opponent. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, we went into, for example, some games last year. Hillcrest is one that comes to mind. The Madison game is another one. And where that was and the only loss you yeah, guys had that. Yeah. The Hillcrest game we got away with, and we won 33 nothing. but it was a close game at halftime, and they did a good job holding the ball. We weren't really focused. It was like, oh, yeah, you're, you're playing Hillcrest or whoever that you fill in the blank, and we should just beat them. Why do I really need to watch film this week? Or why do I really need to, well, you know, if coach tells me to step this way or make sure we, you know, seal the backside, it's like, okay, I kind of get it done. It's like there's no urgency. You know, when you play superior opponents or at least opponents that you know are on your level, then it automatically locks kids in, you know, mm-hmm. naturally much easier. But when you play inferior opponents or opponents you, you're supposed to beat, that became a challenge at times last year, and, I, and it caught up with us against Madison. And I think it's probably one of the, the best lessons that could have happened in this program. And I, I honestly credit Madison for helping us win a state championship, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope the folks from Madison are listening to this right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thinking about that philosophy, yes, it applies to sports, but overlooking your opponents in life, think about that for a second. Yeah. That It's not just about the playing field, because what happens when we overlook things in our own life? I mean, you're, you're teaching more than just how to block. You're teaching more than pass routes. You're teaching lifelong skills here. Yeah. And if I had to bet, I would say that that's probably most important to you. It is. Again, it goes back to relationships, because I think about like my own marriage. My wife could verify that I'm not perfect as a husband, and I've still, you know, to this day, growing in that area, we all, I think, are. You know, think about the things we overlook in our relationships with our wives, right, and our children that then someday catch up with us. You know, that punch in the face of, you know, people being told, I'm going to leave you. And you're like, why? You know, oh, yeah. what happened? Well, there's a lot of things you might have overlooked over that time period mm-hmm. that catch up with you after a while. And, and you, it deteriorates relationships. And you said it. You said on the field, it's the moment, and you can't get that moment back. You can't. And it's the same with life. Uh, you don't get that back. No, you don't. And it's hard to rebuild that I'm mm-hmm. at that point. I mean, it, it's salvageable. I mean, we've yeah. seen people do that, mm-hmm. but it's not easy. 
you probably have a much more likely to be successful in personal relationships when when you do adhere, you know, and keep yourself disciplined with mm-hmm. what I have to do and what my responsibilities are and how I need to follow through when I say certain things. You know, when I tell my wife I'm going to do something and I forget, which I often do, and she'll remind me. <laughs> and she's like, hey, you tell your kids this. She, you know, I think my wife has been the biggest person to teach me lessons because I agree with her. I mean, I like it. You're <laughs> coming for her sometimes. But she's right. And she's like, I'm telling right. these boys the same thing. But hopefully they can realize that someday that is going to be something you're going to have to yeah. really focus on in your life. Right. And you seem like a transparent guy. Like people can get to know you, approachable. And if your athletes see you in action in real life, I think that has to help them as individuals and as players on your team. You're not just talking the talk. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I tell them all the time, no, no one's perfect, but, no. you know, we're, we're at least making the attempt to get better and grow and learn and grow. You know, we, we have yeah. a book that we go through in our leadership program here called Chop Wood, Carry Water. And um, it talks about there are no tests. There are just opportunities. You know, mm-hmm. nothing's a test, just an opportunity to learn and grow. And so, you know, I, I'm growing and continuously. I'm always looking for ways, whether it's in football or in our leadership or in our organization, to get better. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I, no one likes someone who's a, uh, superficial, right. who says something and, um, you know, doesn't live it. You know, we see that oftentimes in, in professional sports and coaches in college level. It's like they're successful, but behind the scenes, you know, the teams don't, you know, they're either their coaching staffs or their players don't really respect them because they see the real person but mm-hmm. the the rest of the the public in america only see one thing they see saturdays on the football field and they see the success of winning football games and it doesn't mean you can't be successful you can i think my philosophy comes down to it has to be sustainable and i don't think you can sustain anything in life if you're not real because right. people are going to figure you out at some point oh yeah they, they'll see it yeah yeah it's, it's that's true so what, what are you most proud of? And I'm not even talking sports here. I mean, in your life, what is Mondo Gonzalez most proud about in his life? <clears throat> um, well, that's an interesting question. Um, I would say I'm most proud of the opportunities I've had in life to overcome um, adversity. Mm-hmm. And even though my responses probably weren't always <laughs> the best or the most healthy, personally, I lost my mom when I was 18 years old. Okay. To breast cancer. I'm sorry. And no, thank you. And um, I guess anybody could say this, but I feel looking back now, being 47 years old now, had I not gone through that, I don't know what type of man I'd be today. I guess it's kind of weird, you know, for people to hear that, but I feel like we can either be a victim in life or what I call a victor. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting in church in 2020. We were about to play Rocky Mountain in the state championship game. And that Sunday before the game, I was sitting there, and I'm usually, you know, just, you know, I listen to the pastor and um, or the priest and, you know, trying to say, well, how could I apply this in my life, mm-hmm. my, my team and stuff like that. And I remember, some, I can't remember what he said exactly, but something just like struck me. And I was starting thinking about like, you know, how can I really build in this team right now to get them to learn some lessons from this experience that we've had this year? Because they were, that was a young team and was not expected to get to the state championship, and that was the year we lost to, to mm-hmm. Rocky Mountain. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember that day, Sunday night, I usually have a team meeting every Monday before of game week prior to the previous game. So I was trying to think of what my message was going to be to the team that Monday. And I go to bed that night, I still really hadn't quite figured it out. And then I swear, I was like 2, 3 in the morning, it's like something just like started going in my head. I had to get up out of bed and write down the scribble thing, and it, and it basically came out to this. And I still have those notes somewhere. 
The process plus pain equals transformation. And the transformation is one of two things, victim or victor. And then I just had a bunch of other things I started scrolling down to go along with it. And that was my message mon on that Monday. And I've really used that from that point forward to kind of teach what we're about here. That's an amazing message. And do you think that through losing your mother, do you think that helped you sort of internalize that message? Yeah, yeah because think of the times in life where we experience pain, disappointment, challenge, adversity, however, whatever you want to, you know, whatever word you want to put in there mm -hmm. for failure or an opportunity to like I have to figure this out somehow and I don't know how I'm gonna what I'm gonna do when those times come those painful circumstances in life you do have one of two options and, you know it's like well I, I can pout and and feel sorry for myself mm -hmm. and we I mean there's a time for grief without without a sure. doubt there's a time for depression I really believe that I, re I believe we've overreacted this idea of depression I think we, we oh, all yeah. go through bouts of depression yeah. In fact, I just interviewed a young lady who made this comment, it's okay to not be okay. I agree. That was a beautiful message. I agree. Yeah. But how did you take that experience to become a victor after that pain and grief and loss of your mother? I think just the more opportunities that God has presented in my life to be able to overcome different circumstances and to learn. When I was 18 years old, I didn't understand why. I'd raised a, raised a Christian. Um, you know, you blame whatever you want to blame. I blame God. I mean, you know, I ran from God probably right. for a while in my early 20s and right. tried to figure out what religion meant for me, being raised in the in a pastor's home, you know, being a pastor's kid. And then, you know, went to Cal State Northridge and started coaching there and my professional career starts and, me and, my, and then me and my wife and you get married and you're like, you know, and so then you just see the blessings one after another come. And so I think just all of those together, it's like the journey it's not one thing that stands out to me the most. It's, it's the journey through life to this point as I sit here at my age now to think, had I not had to experience that when I was 18 years old, I'm not saying I'd be worse, but I guess I value and I appreciate the people around me who cared for me at that time. And so I believe that our job as coaches now is to stand alongside our parents and kids because they are going through a lot. Mm -hmm. And and so I know I can help them because I've been through a really difficult circumstance. Right. So, and I feel like that was like a gift for me, as weird as that might sound. No, that doesn't sound weird at all. The thought, after the trials come the blessings. That's right. And, you know, you just mentioned you had many blessings come into your life that, I don't know, maybe wouldn't have been there had you not Yep. overcome the adversity you went through That's right. and the pain. So now you're using that to fuel the fire of your life, if you will. Yeah, right? yeah that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it has been. It, it's been a driving force. I'm a very high-energy person, naturally. Mm -hmm. I get it from my dad. If you, if you heard my dad on the sidelines, <laughs> you would be like, oh, this makes <laughs> Who is that guy? Uh, he's hilarious. I mean, he's come to our state championship games and I remember when he first came down here and, and um, our coaches getting to know him. We we're playing at Court Lane for the state championship game. I think it's the first game he came to. And he's on the sideline standing halfway in the field trying to figure out, you know, what we're doing and, and coming over to our coach and saying, hey, what's the call? What's, what's the call? And, I mean, he's just – Oh, he's a coach. He's still – he's 70-something years old now, and he can't shake it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I get that naturally probably from him, and our personality is very similar in that way. And, and I feel as long as I've got that energy and – and drive to keep doing it, then I can offer something to these kids. And you can do that. Yeah. If you were gone tomorrow and there was no more Mondo on the football field, what do you want them to remember you by? Hopefully he taught us that people can count on you. Like you can look next to your brother right now in our football program and say, I, 
You know, I can count on that guy, mm -hmm. right? He's committed. He's someone who I know may not always like or agree with, but I'm, I go to battle with that person mm -hmm. because of their actions are consistently. And I think that's what I think stands out for me is can I be counted on? That's all I want the kids to realize. Can I be counted on? Because throughout life, they're going to need to be as men. And one of the phrases I use as a Trojan man is, is, a, is a man built for others. And so we all have our personal goals and aspirations, and that's good. Mm -hmm. What we're doing as individuals, really, we're being built for those around us, especially, I think, as men. And I think in our society right now, I think that's being undercut a little bit. I our role so. as men in, in mm -hmm. the home, as husbands, um, as leaders in the family. And so I think that uh, if we could teach them that, you know, there's no easy way out. You know, don't take the shortcut. Or don't look for it either. Road. Yeah, it's a hard road, and it's okay. You're built for this. And so when those circumstances come, like, you can count on me. And if people know that that's the type of person you are, you're going to be all right. So when you say built for others, is that what that means then, is that you're reliable and the people yeah, can depend right. upon you, and, and you're not here just to, be, to satisfy your own needs? It's not just me. It's not just yeah. about me. It's about being part of something. Like in our program, it's being part of something bigger than just me. But it's, it's also a balance because these kids have personal aspirations as well, and we all do in our lives, mm -hmm. right? In a team of 90 kids, 90 different personalities, that's a challenge. And in terms of leadership and organizations, that's one of the biggest challenges you have as a head coach and as a leader of a large business or organization. And, and so how do you mesh the personal aspirations with also the team aspirations and what's best for the team? There's no secret sauce, I don't think. There's a lot of trial and error. Um, and learning along the way, and every team's different. If you have guys that are unselfish, that care about those around them, but also are driven because they want to be the best, that's a dangerous combination. I think that's what we've had these last three years. Yeah, and I, I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I just want to hear your answer. But how much do you care about these boys on your football team? I tell everybody that asks me, like, I don't have my own kids. My wife and I never, never had our own kids for one reason or another. It didn't work out in our lives, so... I really feel like these are my boys. I, I, I really feel like they're, um, they're my sons. Mm -hmm. Positive things, I don't have to go home with them. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's always a... <laughs> so so uh, sorry, parents out there. But I, I, know I, I know I play a big role in helping those parents finish the job. Because we all know that these kids at this age don't talk to their parents that much. Yeah, it's hard. Right? It's hard. Yeah. It's just fathers. And so I know how I can bridge that relationship by what we're teaching here and that's the one positive thing about being in a community like this right i'm in a in an lds you know commu mormon community mm -hmm. who have christian values and i know for the most part how they're being raised it's not the case everywhere in this country we're in a community that values those things and i know that what we're building in our program mirrors or matches what what's being taught in the home so i, I believe that's been a really positive combination oh it has to be yeah in, in our in our yeah. program I think it has to be. It has to be, without a doubt. And obviously, you know, you're a good Christian man, and you live by Christian values. I can tell that, and we've talked about that. Of those values, how much does that play into what you're doing out there on the field? A, a lot. And so you asked me earlier on, and I, and I just remembered, like, what are our core values? So I yeah. should sharpen the axe, right. which is the process. One of our other core values is brotherhood. Um, I see that shirt. I, I was standing on the sideline yesterday. I saw a kid walk by, and it said "Band of Brothers." Band of Brothers. You know that comes from the from the that uh, movie. Yeah, the, the uh, HBO special "Band of yeah, Brothers" and yeah. and the book about the World War II stories of those guys. That paratrooper unit, which is a phenomenal story. But it is. It's about a brotherhood. It's about what we're building together and the legacy we're leaving for each other. And these kids are connected now to a long line 
right? The military has the long gray line, right? The mm -hmm. U.S. military, and it's like, for us, it's the long, the long gold line uh, in our program. And the guys who came here, who went through this program, even before I was here, but especially as I've been here through 2017 where we lost, started to build this in the quarterfinals to Mountain View that year and then didn't make the playoffs in 2018, and it was a struggle that year. We went 4-5 and five and missed the playoffs. But those guys basically have set a foundation for what we were doing here, so they're all connected. And that's the brotherhood you're part of. And we all know those relationships don't last forever. Mm -hmm. But I know if I see any one of the guys, any one of the guys I either coach with or play with that I hadn't seen in 20 years, well, if we see each other, we can bond. We have that connection like immediately. It's amazing. And I just went home to, to uh, Santa Barbara, California, where I'm from, this summer for the first time in five years. <laughs> uh, my family was giving me a hard time because I hadn't been <laughs> home. But there was a few close friends that I had played ball with that came and saw me at the house where I, when I was visiting family, and it was amazing. And it's exactly what I'm talking about. That's what you're developing here. Yeah, you have that connection yeah. immediately. The other one is ride for the brand, which is part of the Wyoming Constitution. What does that mean, ride for the ride brand? Ride for the brand is basically service for a cause. I'm part of something bigger than myself. That, you know, in an old ranch outfit, which, you know, we're in farming and ran kind of ranch-style communities here in, in the rural areas, that when, you, you know, when you're a cowboy and, you, and you're part of, a, of an outfit, right, that brand means something. You're loyal to that brand. And there's a brotherhood that goes along with that as well. But it's not just about you. Like the R here mm -hmm. is a brand, right? That's our brand. So you can think of it as a marketing brand, right? When people see the R, what does that mean? When a kid walks into business in this community and they see a kid wearing a rugby football shirt or the rugby R, that should mean something to them. Sometimes we fail mm -hmm. and, and they have a bad experience and that doesn't reflect well on us. And, but we want people to see us as, oh, I, I know I had a kid be in my class, right? A teacher at our school, he's a football player. There was something about that kid, right? Mm -hmm. he, he, whatever it is, and sometimes they have those kids in the class, and they're like, he's a real pain. <laughs> yeah. and, and they happen. Again, they're teenagers. and We're not perfect, but we strive for that standard. Yeah. So that's what that's about, really. Um, and then the last one is championship competitor, which I think that's the politically correct version of saying a warrior. And it more has to do with the warrior mentality of grit, determination. You know, you hear those stories of those guys that just love to be in the fight. Mm -hmm. You know, the, whether it's the Marines or whether you hear the old ancient stories of you know the ancient greeks and warfare like the spartans and uh, having that the mentality of the story that comes to me that we used when i was coaching with aaron at san juan hills you know was the story of of the persians are coming right and the, it's the movie's 300 right which most of us have seen and it's the battle of thermopolis and the spartans are there and they're outnumbered and you've got this million man persian army coming and they should all run for cover and they don't because they look at each other and basically they know they're doing yep. this for their brothers I can rely and on for their, their community, what, they, what it represents. And so ultimately that's probably the best illustration I can think of of why we need warriors in our society. So You know, you really don't know how much grit you need until sometimes you're put in a position where you need to use it. Yeah. And then you find out who you really are and what you're made of. Not only when you need to use it, when, you, when you're faced with catastrophic failure sometimes yeah. where it's like, this, might, this is not going to go well. And so like, that's when you find out what you're about mm -hmm. because all the odds are against you but you're like i like being here with these guys and yeah. you know what if we go down we go down and that's right to our kids sometimes as we were building this program and we're playing opponents that were way better than us at some point even in, in california when we were starting building this process what we call a championship culture it was like we had mission viejo high school 
who was at the time probably one of the top 10 teams in the country in our conference. And our kids were intimidated. And it's like, no, hey, the Persians are coming. Let's go. <laughs> yep. And let's see how it fares. And some years we played a little better. And other years they really whipped us good. But you know what? It was okay. And we learned from those experiences, and, and it helped us get better. And so we tried to build on that and use that. And now we happen to be the Persians. <laughs> yeah, you are <laughs> in a the lot Persians. Of cases. All right. So that's where, like, for me, I've struggled a little bit because, like, I've got the mentality shift now. It's like, you know, now people see us as Darth Vader and the evil empire <laughs> in yeah. some sense, yeah. Yeah. if you use that kind of, yeah. you know, uh, illustration. Because we've been really good, and I, and I acknowledge that. We've had really good players. And you should. And, yeah, and we've yeah. built this. But people don't realize what – we started from not only here, but wh- where yeah. I started from in my career to get to a point. Now we, we have talent and we've got a great staff. We've got a great support from our school district and administration. Mm-hmm. When you put all these things together, it's not a surprise when you start to no, have success. it's not. So last question yeah. here for you. Have you found a home here in Rigby? Oh, yeah. And I don't mean brick and mortar. I'm yeah. talking, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. We, we've been welcomed from the very beginning in this community and I will say, you know, winning football games helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we said, we live in a, you know, what have you done for me lately society, no matter yeah, where you go. Yeah. And so there were some challenges early on, I'll admit, in, in 2018, you know, and in 2017 when I got here and, and what we asked these kids to do throughout the year, you know, people were not used to that in this community. You know, it's a, yeah. it, we, we were a smaller school, you know, athletes played multiple sports, which I want our kids to do, but there's also a commitment because we play a violent physical sport like if you're not in the weight room you're around that's going to be a problem for you and so getting kids to realize hey i still got to get in the weight room and and then we have summer program that goes throughout june people are used to going on vacations and doing all the stuff they love to do here which i love to do that's why i came here i, I, lo- I love the outdoors but i also know that there's a certain standard we have to get to in order to be competitive consistently and i will say though we did change some methods and some strategies our core values haven't changed but methods and strategies can always change once I got to learn this community and what the kids were about and hunting was important. And so, for example, in 2018, after we went four and five and missed the playoffs, it was a good time for reflection. And I, I remember meeting with the coaches in my classroom in the, sometime in December before Christmas break and just saying, okay, guys, you know, I've been here for two years now. This is what I believe. This is what I think is important. This is what I've implemented. It's been me. But what do you think now? What are your thoughts of it? don't hurt my feelings like I'm not afraid to for you to, to think hey this is what I think coach and and they were very candid and honest which I appreciate and uh, some of the things that came up were like we you know in California we met on Saturdays watched a film and lifted and then made our corrections and then Monday you start the new week and some of the guys and staff who were dads too for players that had played here or did still play here and said coach you know there's a good handful of families that go hunting in the fall you know on the weekend they'll go right Friday night after the game and and they say, you know, and that's important. And I'm like, okay. And when I thought about it, I'm not a hunter. I want to learn. I would love for the, to learn how to do it and for someone to take me because I have no idea where to start. Mm-hmm. But when I hear the stories of what these boys learn with their fathers or uncles or whoever they're going with, patience, silence, I think those are pretty good values that we need to do today. Oh, yeah. Especially silence. Can you just be quiet with yourself for 30 minutes? Shut and, it all down. Yeah, and shut it all down. That's right. And I'm like... That's pretty important. And so we changed. And we said, okay, we're not going to do without Saturdays anymore. So now on Mondays we come in. I tell the coaches on the weekend, hey, look at the corrections. Make sure that you get the major things fixed. And then we watch that real quick with the kids, 20 minutes. And then we move on to the game plan. We fit it all in on Monday morning. So that was one area. Another area was 
how we train in the off season. I'm, I'm used to in California. The weather's great all year round. <laughs> right. So yeah. you can go on the field anytime. So, and in that area, it was so competitive. We had 10 high schools in a 10 mile radius and it was an open enrollment in district. So kids are shopping around and parents are shopping around. If you don't know doing certain stuff, they're gone. If you're seeing not doing something, that seems like, well, why aren't you doing that? Right. So it's almost like you're keeping up with the Joneses, but that wears on you after a while. And so that's just what I knew and what I, what I brought here. And so, you know, we went in throughout the summer in June and July and we practiced and had a few of the coaches on our staff that same meeting in December said, coach, I, I think it's a little much. And I said, okay, well, what do we need to do? What do we absolutely need to do to be competitive in the 5A right now? And we just threw spaghetti on the wall and, and said, yeah. okay, what sticks? And so we came up with, we don't do anything in July other than the kids have to get their lifts in during the week. We have a couple times they can report, they got a lift, but there's no practices, no seven on sevens. They have the days to themselves. They can come in the morning or in the evening based on their work schedule, or if they're going on vacation, they can go on vacation during that time. If they miss a day here and there, it's not that big a deal. They just know we expect you to be consistent as much as you can in that month. So we said in June, that's our month. We don't need to go both months in the summer. And in June, we get it all done and it's a grind. We go, we lift, we practice in the mornings, but we also said, oh, I was going four days a week when we first started. We cut it down to three. So we go Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. So they have a longer weekend. So there were little things that I adapted to so that we can make this the best experience possible. So they want to be a part of this, but it doesn't also wear them down mentally. So you can sustain yourself for a long season. Ever since we did that, you know, we ended up playing in three state championships. And I don't know if that was the actual reason why. But I feel like we've always performed our best in November. Maybe that has a little to do with it because I think they're mentally still engaged and they're not worn out by that point. Because I really did feel in California, by the time we got to the end of the season, our coaches and our kids were mentally worn out because we had been going for so long. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, that's kind of some ways that I've adapted. But um, in terms of having a home, I think those things have created a situation where people want to be a part of this and they've accepted what we're doing. And early on, it was a struggle to learn that. I'm thankful for them giving me the time to do that. Oh, yeah. Right? And not panicking. And it's like, what is he doing? And and we've been able to have some, I think, positive learning and growth from that. Very good. Well, I want to thank you for taking your time. I know you got a big game with Blackfoot tonight, so good luck with that. that. But it's been a pleasure to just get to know you. I've seen you on the sidelines, and uh, now having the opportunity to meet you, I feel like I'm blessed for that opportunity. So thank you. Well, thank you. you now now I said you can call me Mondo, because you I, probably know about more about me than a lot, a lot of people. So. Mondo now. Everybody out there who hears this, they're going to call you Mondo That's now, right. too. They know, me. they know me a lot better now. Yeah. Appreciate you taking your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. And to those who have been listening, remember to speak up, speak out, and speak often. Bye-bye.